And then all day I would just just, just drive around uh-huh. uh, while she would stay home and write songs. write songs. And then I would like pick her up around sunset, take her into the park, and we watch the sunset. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is the LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. I feel like I have to. We have to play with all the the new toys, you know. Yeah. What's well, funny? Every time I talk to some photographer or something who's like, "Oh, I hate Instagram," things like that, I'm like, "They're just the tools. Like, yeah, you can use that tool or not use that tool, but." Certain tools are becoming necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use I've been using Instagram. Like I share the the spreads from my book dummies on yeah, Instagram, no, I and it's like, well, this is this fits into how I work. Yeah. So like that's how I'm gonna use it. I'm not gonna just like throw up my daily photos and you know put up a bunch of nonsense. Like this ma- this makes sense for me. You know. Yeah, it's funny. This is first time I'm gonna mention someone's name, but Noah Kalina a while ago put something up on Twitter where he was like, uh, he was trash talking people's Instagrams, and he was like. <laughs> He's like, tell you fashion photographers who just put up like pictures of your fashion work, get a fucking personality. Like, <laughs> and I wanted to respond like rules are for amateurs because uh-huh. it's whatever anyone wants to use it for. We're like, right. I'll show like a pen I'm using and then like a photo. You know what I mean? Like to me, I show like the behind the scenes of what's going on uh-huh. where I think of like if I could watch some photographer that I liked at some point, how they constructed it. Like it's basically a tour through their studio. Yeah. I find that interesting. Yeah. Other people post photos of their food. Yeah, exactly. I don't find that interesting. So I unfollow those people, but like, yeah. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, it's become, I I kind of, every couple of months I get into a cycle of like, why am I following any of these? Why am I following this account on Twitter? You don't need to do it. You just hit unfollow and they're gone. And like, it makes you feel so much better. It's just like out of sight, out of mind, you know? So I'm a big fan of the unfollowing. I even did that where, uh, you know, we're all like, we're all photographers trying to like make it and get, you know, shows and clients and things like that. And I, if I felt a single like tinge of jealousy looking at someone's account, I would just unfollow them. And I was like, like, this is a useless service to me. I'm like, I'm not gaining anything from this. I just. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're here with Mikhail Kennedy. We've been chatting about Instagram and social media. It seems like we, uh, it's one of the common themes in our conversations. Which part, Instagram or social media? Social or, media, yeah. the internet. Well, it's because it's, it I mean, it's how we met. True. Which is what, I mean, it's how I meet most of the people I work with at this point. Yeah, it is kind of, it's, and it is a theme of this show that runs through as well, too. I guess a lot of the guests that we meet or that we have on come through the internet as well, too. It's like maybe it's, I don't know, at what point do you just kind of like, well, that's just the way to, the world is these days, you know? We're probably there, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, this is a way far tangent from what we really need to be talking about. <laughs> but I was having a conversation uh, with a bunch of old hippies mm-hmm. in Vermont last week about being the people who have witnessed the world pre-internet versus the people who have not. Huh. And so I think we're still trying to figure it out. And like we're going to be the last people who remember what it was like not to be able to just Google something or right. Siri something. And so sometimes I think that it's our generation just being like, wait, what is this thing again? Yeah. Like to the younger kids, they're just fully present their yeah. online persona is something they're essentially almost born with 100% we talked a little about uh, that with uh, Megaly in one of the episodes of just like how they're so embedded into it that they don't even you know it's just part so a part of their lives and like before like me I think I'm on the cusp of that generation where it's still like yeah you remember like going into the computer lab in college and using it I think the internet was the thing that is going to draw the line between the shift of humanity. Mm-hmm. I did the conversation actually started talking about someone who was like, you know, 102 and like mm-hmm. what they had gone through witnessing from like 
you know, I'm, my technology history is horrible, but like the, birth, <laughs> the steam engine and yeah, shit like yeah, that to yeah. now watching their friends like pull something up on their phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, know. and it's like it's because it's it's interesting that on on Facebook, um, it's really the biggest kind of like community that embraces like old people, mm. AAR, AARP crowd. It's yeah. like it's like a heaven like for them, and I imagine that because the older you get, the more lonelier you get. I think like your circle of friends closes down, so it's like this way to connect is like, jeez. I mean, it must and they understand be, it even less. Yeah, I've actually had to give multiple uh, speeches to people basically over 40 or 50 about like how to use the internet. I'd be like, don't do this. This is okay. You don't need a blog. No one needs to know what your journal is. Uh Like, because them it's an even further leap of, you know, one of my, one of my favorite kind of like not favorite. I don't know if it's favorite or annoying or something that I like catch myself looking at is like these old kind of like 50 something, 60 some photographers on Facebook oh, yeah. that just go off on these rants. And oh, they you, use and I, it. you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah, like, and they use it as their journal. And it's like, they don't, do you realize kind of what you're doing and what you're putting out here and like how, how other people perceive it? But they're like, I get all these comments and people are like, I'm building community. And it's like, yeah, I mean, those people are gravitating to you, but there's all these other people that kind of peer into this like ego driven, like way of like, putting out stuff, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think it's as simple as they just don't understand <laughs> right. the technology right. on a base level. Yeah, because yeah. you put it out there and it's public. And then like I, I'm very, you know, this is maybe weird for somebody who's broadcasting a podcast, but I'm very kind of particular of the message I want to put out. And like what I'm saying is, and I like a podcast is because like, oh, two dudes sitting and talking for an hour, that takes a little bit of investment, you know? You'll probably catch some really stupid things I say, but, you know, most of the people that are going to catch that are like, oh, I'm a fan of the show or whatever, like those people, so they're not going to, like, bust your chops on it. But if you write an essay and, like, that's easily reproducible in a quote, and, like, that quote goes all over the place, and now that essay is reduced to that one quote or that one stupid thing, and it's like... But that was only one small part of it, you know. Yeah, but it's easier to to uh, retumble or yeah. tweet a section of a paragraph than it right. is a forty minute conversation, exactly. which actually gives us safety. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, I did, yeah, I did an Apple talk a long time ago, and it was, I mean, felt god awful to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, no one's gonna listen to this. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not gonna sit down for yeah. forty five minutes and listen to someone talk. Yeah, who listen? I would never. I don't yeah. listen to podcasts. Like, I haven't <laughs> listened to one of these yet, and I'm like, I don't understand why anyone wants to listen. Brian, Brian asks our listeners what they're doing with their yeah, lives. Yeah, what are you doing with your lives, people? Why? What, what do you? You know, why are you tuning in? Hopefully, you're in a car driving somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and our soothing voices yeah. like bring calm to your life. <laughs> um, so you got kind of some big news. You're moving to you're moving to LA. Yeah. That's kind of how long have you been in New York though? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So a decade and now you're going ten years to, to the date. Yeah. Mm. If if we successfully make the move. If you successfully you'll you'll be successful. Yeah. And so you said you're gonna move to Mount Washington on up on the Yeah, that's the goal. You say I mean the dream would be to move to Joshua Tree, but that's a little <laughs> unrealistic at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just get your foot out there, and then you see what happens. Yeah. You can buy a half burned down shack for fourteen grand in Joshua Tree right really? now with a few acres of land. <laughs> wow! So then you just tear down the rest. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it seems like it's a move that it just fits with your your personality, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I looked at uh, you were talking about kind of like wrapping up your time in LA mm-hmm. with your book that you just put yeah. out. Like, yeah, when you know something's coming to an end or coming to a close, it gives you a really interesting moment to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And as my life has changed, as my life changes, my work changes. We've talked about this before. It's the mm-hmm. reason I ended the Passport to Trespass blog, uh, things like that. But I was going through and looking at my work and kind of gathering my work together. And I was like, none of this is shot in New York. Right. It's all <laughs> shot in the Southwest yeah. or out in the woods. Yeah. New York has been for 10 years, really a place that I've come to check uh-huh. in, do a little work and then go back out. Uh-huh. Uh, the third book in the Passport to Trespass series was called Castle in the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that was New York versus the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I looked at that, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, I've been gone for a while already. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just kind of like finding finding your place. I mean, like, I love, I, I cherish my experience in L.A., but, like, I could not, I couldn't go back and live there. Like, I couldn't live the same life. I keep saying, that, like, yes, if somehow... I could live where I could live up in the hills or something. I wouldn't have to work and yeah, hustle. Absolutely. Like it'd be beautiful. Yeah. I would love it, you know. But to me, like I don't, you know, for working, it's like New York is the way way I work. It's like the grind and kind of like the the, the fluidity of the connections you can bring people in. It just like it moves at my pace. But I'm not, you know. And I, I was telling who we were talking to, maybe it was Patrick Gukin about like going to shows and stuff. And it's like, it's criminal. I don't barely go to any art shows. No. I haven't been to MoMA in a year and a half. And it's kind of like, what are you doing? But then I can do this podcast and have people bring their books to me. You totally, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you have a couple that. Um, great just, scam. Great yeah. scam. My <laughs> exactly. favorite scam. Yeah. People are on top of it. So the, the Days in the Desert book, short little book, and these are all Polaroids again. Now, is this, was this a... Um, an edit from the archive, or was this something just brand new? So this was uh, brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, in February of this year, my wife and I went out to Joshua Tree for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been having this conversation a long time. It's a conversation I hear from a lot of people mm-hmm. in New York who work freelance, and they're like, I can live anywhere. That's amazing. And I was like, mm-hmm. right, but we all live here. So we decided to test it. Mm-hmm. So we rented a, a house in Joshua Tree and just decided to set up shop for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was recording an album. I got a bunch of clients to come out and work with me while I was there, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Basically got to live there. So, uh, And we're, we're going to hear a song. Yeah, you're going to hear a song. Nice. Um, we're really excited about that because she's, I mean, I'll have to be honest with you. I mean, she's probably the more talented. I've had this conversation constantly. <laughs> where I was like, I will gladly just like take back burner. If I could just be on tour with her taking yeah. like, Polaroids behind the scenes, that'd be awesome. That'd be set, man. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about the photo part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what, so I just, every day I would get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a no technology rule. Just, we were trying to like like reset ourselves a little bit after uh-huh. being in New York for so long. Um, where you would get up, not touch your phone, not touch anything mm-hmm. for an hour, just like have coffee, sit outside. It was so quiet that when the crows would fly over, you could hear their wings flapping above us. Wow. Uh, and then all day I would just just, just drive around uh-huh. uh, while she would stay home and write songs. write songs. And then I would like pick her up around sunset, take her into the park, and we watch the sunset. Nice. Um, and that's what this is. Hmm. So it's, I don't remember how many photos. I think it's 31 photos, maybe a few. So who who's, I don't know if we took, who's the, who's this dude in here? Who's that guy? Uh, that's this guy, Jeff Thrope, that I've traveled with extensively. Oh, okay. He came out and visited us for a few days. Nice, nice. Yeah, it has it. I mean, you're really the master of Polaroids. Is um, this, so is this, what, how old is this pack? That is generally 2008 film, I think. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the film's dead. The film's just going, I mean, that's the best it can do. Okay. That kind of orange creamsicle color, uh-huh. uh, which is cool. And it still has a lot of like interesting properties to it. Uh-huh. But it's not, if you look at my old Polaroid work where there's like rich greens and blues, mm. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And so I definitely have slowed down and changed how I've shot it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. And I, I, we were talking a little bit beforehand where I bought a stash of 120 film off of you. Yeah, yeah. And I kept that in my fridge for a long time. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I had some weird conception of like, maybe I'll try to do some fashion stuff with this. And then like, as the months rolled on, it's like, who are you kidding? You yeah. don't photograph them. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. So I finally got to a point. I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I, I stopped in my neighborhood. I didn't want to shoot like 35 mil, like digital street stuff. I'm just like, I kind of finished that up, and it's like all that film was sitting there. I was like, let's just throw that stuff on the Mamiya and go photograph trees and flowers, like bright colors, and see what happens. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I literally have no idea how to expose this. I didn't even like <laughs> look it up. I think I like Googled it quick, and it's like, oh, you should like overexpose Oh, I've never done it. I just shoot it straight. And I was like, but at some point, I was just like, okay, maybe I'll just mess with the dials here, and whatever happens, happens. And yeah. it was like the most liberating kind of like few. I was on vacation for a couple of days, and I went out for like, three days in a row, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> there's a complete unknown in terms of, like, aperture, shutter speed, and all that stuff. Like, who cares? Yeah. And it was like, now I'm free. But it's like, a fucking beauty of, of like, yeah. photography, like, film yeah. photography. It's the best part of the fuck-ups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This, I mean, this yeah. was what the basis of the Polaroid work was in a lot of ways, was as we were shooting expired film, like, half the image would just fall off. You'd get weird flares, and that yeah. became... Almost the point at that. Yeah. Brian made fun of me for having expired film not too long ago. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I changed my mind a lot. You were like, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with this? Well, it's also, I think. Well, that's normally a question that's probably I'm asking to myself. Right. Because I'm a narcissist and it all comes back to me, you know? So. Replace you with I in all conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's also, I mean, yeah. I think there's something about how we view photography mm -hmm. in general, you know, like. We're talking Instagram. We're talking, you know, you can't walk around New York without seeing advertising at this point. Right. Everything's just like crisp, clean photos. Mm -hmm. And so I think the expired film sometimes gives it that magic that it used mm -hmm. to have. It gives it that little something else. Right. I mean, I would typically, I would be like call bullshit on that. It's like, oh, whatever. Get out of the mysticism. Like what? And But like it happened. I was like, oh, yeah. this stuff. Where was this? Did Mikhail own this forever? Where did he get it? How long did he have? Like, the film has a history. It is, like, yeah, yeah. whatever is there, it has been through different aspects of time and space or whatever you want to say. And, like, it has its own kind of, like, organic history to it. And I love that. And then when I was scanning it, you're right, it would be, like, I have no idea what's here. And it would be, like, those four or five photos. And it's, like, wait a minute, what happened here? And it, it always seems like a combination of like, I compose something a little different and then I like expose it a little different and then something weird happened. It's like, and I, th I think that when you get that, uh, when you get that kind of, you know, that moment where it clicks, where like it was a good photo in general and then on top of it, you got the right kind of like random fuck up. Mm -hmm. It compounds what you're, it just makes it that much yeah. better. Because it's all about variables. And like so much of photography is like controlling as many of the variables as you can. If you go into like high-end fashion, I mean, there's nothing left to chance, basically. Zero, you know what I mean? Like Yes and no. Like how, but like if you have a, if you're monitoring there and you got seven people monitoring it. But I think if, if you get to the higher end, you go back uh, to being able to shoot film oh, and right, weird right. shit like that. So maybe it's not even fashion, or like more commercial. Commercial, sure. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that to me is just a very, I mean, it's a different beast. There's mm -hmm. house painters and there's... Painter, painters. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're in a way leaving a lot of the decision making up to the medium itself because mm -hmm. you don't know how it's going to react. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I mean that's actually even what like the New Mexico book, mm -hmm. which is a follow up to the California book I did mm -hmm. last year, book zine, whatever. Uh, that's me 
driving, like just holding the camera out the window, like sometimes looking at it and trying to follow an object, like it's pretty, Mm -hmm. a lot of it's left up to chance and left up to Mm -hmm. allowing for an accident to happen. Uh, There's actually this Pollock quote that I use a lot uh, where he says, I deny the accidents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where to me, that's the point is you open yourself up for the possibility for something to happen. And if you're doing it right or... You know, if it works, basically, you create something wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you have the understanding of how to sculpt that together into something cohesive, that's the art. That's yeah, Blake Andrews. You know, he's that's kind of like his whole thing. It's like that's why he loves shooting candid stuff. It's like because like, he's like, I just never know. Like, there's you know, I'm going to find an accident. It's going to be that one thing that you never know. I mean, it's but how do you do that on landscape? You know, landscape photography is a little bit different. Like, well, that's what this is. Uh, I mean, that's what so this is. So it's out the car? Is most of it out the car or are you getting out? Some of it's some of it's static and some's out, mm-hmm. some of it is out of the car. Uh, but basically, I reached a point where the Polaroid film was not doing what I wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling as excited about it as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep shooting, so I bought a Canon AE-1 Oh, really? Uh, on eBay for like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Went and met my buddy in California. Um I basically, I was in New York. He was out there and I was like, fuck this place. I got to get out of here for a while. So <laughs> I flew into San Francisco, rented a car, went and found him living in a school bus on, in Big Sur. <laughs> and we spent, I think, seven days just like racing around California, just uh-huh. like camping on the coast. And I used to shoot a lot of very static, very classic looking American landscapes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even that started to feel boring to me. It didn't start, it didn't really excite me. And so I wanted to start experimenting with this this idea of like color blur and motion mm-hmm. and something to almost make the landscapes more of an experience rather than mm-hmm. just a visual. Mm-hmm. And that's where this was born. It was just me fucking around shooting out of car windows. So was it just you in New Mexico? Or uh, were, you, were you with your buddy as well? I had a couple buddies in and out. Couple, okay. Yeah. New Mexico, what's your overall impression in New Mexico? I've only, I went through Santa Fe. I spent like three days in New Mexico in 2000. Seven, maybe it was summer of two thousand eight when I drove back there from New York, and I loved part of it. But you get into Santa Fe and it's just weird as hell. Yeah, it's just rich, like, touristy. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's I where don't the know neighbors are from. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it's yeah. a wonder. Like, I have a lot of friends there. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. place. Uh, what is always what's always gotten me about America, and the reason I keep traveling America is the landscape. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from Vermont, where I was born, to Texas. You, you know, those are two entirely different countries, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and New Mexico just has one of the most interesting landscapes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So when I go to New Mexico, I, you know, fly into Albuquerque, go stay in Santa Fe at night sometimes, and then uh-huh. the rest of my time is just spent driving around yeah. exploring the landscape. Yeah, that's we were talking about that in another, another episode about just being able to get it out get in a car and go or get on a plane and go to like some random place, you know? And it's like, that is kind of like the ultimate, I don't know. For me, it would be almost like the ultimate way to photograph is just like completely transport myself into some unknown, yeah. unknown place, you know? It's, I mean, that would be my dream is just to like have someone be like, Hey, come here, let me show you around. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. me just showing up a place I've never been before and having yeah. them lead me around. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the essence of like National Geographic travel photography, but I think there's also like something more, I don't know, if you if you kind of get away from that strict documentary kind of approach to it, I mean, there's just something marvelous about not knowing where you are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like that is, it's kind of why I go out to Long Island. I, I will take the train out to Long Island and it's just like I'm out in New York and now I'm in this completely like, not completely foreign, but it's a different 
I've never been here before. So I give myself two hours to walk around and like, that's it, yeah. you know, and then I'm gone. I have no, I'm not going to go back to this little Long Island town, but I don't know. I've become incredibly fascinated by like Long Island because I just can't get a grip on what's going on out there. It's like this old, it's old American suburbs, but it's also old America. And then it's very wealthy too, you know? Yeah. So there's, is just all these things kind of like colliding in that one little island. Well, you know? and to go back to your uh, National Geographic thing, I have zero interest in reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to it. Like, oh, you know, I've been documenting my life for 13 years with Polaroid. Like, right. I use it because it doesn't look like reality. I'm not sitting there with like a clinical camera. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Well, plus, I also don't believe that there is reality in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. We won't find you with a color chart. No. <laughs> because even, I mean, this is actually part of the class that I'm teaching at Hampshire College right, in right, June right. is uh, with like, I'm, I'm teaching a class on memory and photography. And part of my lesson plan starts from Win Wender's book once. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he starts out with this long poem talking about how every, every photograph is an action in the front of the camera and an action behind the camera. Mm-hmm. It's the what's going on in the frame, but it's also the person who's taking the picture, yeah. their presence is in the photo. Yeah. And so this morning I was doing some writing and I, was, I kind of boiled it down to the sense that uh, photography is the elevation of a moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's or, an, or of a thing. It's just being like, this is what you should look at. This is important right now. And then you put it in a series and that becomes your body of work. Right, right. Uh, that's not truth. That's not reality yeah. because yeah. it's always your perception. It's always the thing you're building. Mm-hmm. So even in the National Geographic piece, like, you're just right. looking at someone's self-portrait of what it looks like in yeah. Africa. And when I so when I go out to Long Island, and it'll probably be like a three-hour thing trip, come back, and the first thing I do is I write down everything I can remember, like all the encounters, like just the experience, whatever I was thinking, feeling, whatever. The one, what I can never remember though, are the photographs that I took. Like I never, oh, I remember yeah. taking a picture. Like, and I can't register them. But then when I scan the film and I see the photo, all of a sudden, like I'm back. I remember standing there. I was like, exactly remember that. So I have this weird, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'll probably never figure it out. Like what, how is, what's going on with my memory there? I can remember all these other details and like write them down, but the stuff, the photographs, so something must be happening when you get into that zone, that perceptual zone where you're going to make the photograph that it's short circuits, like making the memory or something. Well, I don't know what no, happens. There's that there's, Susan Sontag quote, yeah. uh, which I'm going to butcher here. Someone just <laughs> posted the other day yeah. about how uh, the problem with photography is it's not that uh, it's not that you you remember based on the photograph. You just remember the photograph. Right. And so right. one of the things that I've been talking about a lot is uh, many many years ago when I was doing all the Polaroid work, someone was like, you know, every photo you take is like a pinprick in the fabric of your memory because mm-hmm. you stop remembering what happened and you remember that photo. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. true. Like I can go through my photos and I immediately remember all these things about yes. it. Yes. Yes. But without those photos, I'm kind of fucked trying to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And but, so I've started, yeah. I have this exercise yeah. that I'm making the students do where you take a photograph that you've mm-hmm. taken and you sit down with it and you write everything that happened before and after that photograph. Mm-hmm. And you basically try and work your way chronologically mm-hmm. just to see what you can build out of it and see what you can remember. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a pointless exercise, but it's yeah. interesting to start to manipulate that in your head and understand what you're doing. No, it does. Yeah, I, I don't. We Here's something. We just had Patrick Gukig on, and I actually met him in L.A. We met before when we were living in L.A. back in 2007, 2008, and he remembers it. And I have 
<laughs> no memory whatsoever. And one of my books in Genesee Avenue, he's like, I think I was there that night. Because that's, that that's yeah. my buddy there. Like, he's one of those guys I know. And I like, I, I think we were there. And I was like, you know, I, ve I vaguely remember making that photograph. I kind of like knew where I was. But like meeting him and doing any of that stuff, no idea whatsoever. And it yeah. just, it, it's almost like terrifying because I think the older you get, it'll be like, and we talked about this as well. It's like, well, we won't remember this conversation. You know what I mean? But it'll be recorded. But it doesn't matter whether yeah. you remember it. Right. Because that, I mean, that goes into the, one of the deeper theories we always talk about where like, to me, you're here for 90 years. Mm -hmm. So you're just moving in one direction, which is essentially towards death. Right. Uh, so all that you do between this point and that point is all that matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my memory is shit. Like, I don't <laughs> remember so I meet people all the time where I'm like, ah. Yeah. I was in six states that month. Like, you know, I, I may have met you somewhere in there. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter yeah. because if you don't remember it, who cares? Right. You're just going on to the next thing. That was, I was going to start a project and uh, maybe I might still do this, where I was going to go into my archive and just write, just go through it. And like every photo, I'm like, write everything that I can remember because I know at some point that just the way memory works and the way aging works is like, I just won't be able to retrieve that stuff. So I have to kind of get it down. But then I'm also like on the same aspect as like, maybe keep it a mystery. Keep that to well, me. Also like, both, you are, know. both are incorrect assessments of what actually happened. Right, right. <laughs> like yeah. your photo doesn't really tell the story and neither does your memory. Right, yeah. It's funny, but that's even like, you're talking about, uh, you know, being in your, your like heavy edits on your book and mm -hmm. being like, oh fuck, I gotta go back and like make it, sorry, I'm gonna swear a lot. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Yeah. You know, go so. back and like, redo the edit so it tells more of the story. Uh -huh. Like the Days in the Desert book I edited in three hours. Uh -huh. I mean, granted, there's a lot less photos to use, but I'm right. just like, that's it. That's, that's it. the thing. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. But that's the experience. I definitely, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel that way on a, on a lot of things. It's like, I'm, I don't know, on some of those... I'm trying to like move more in that direction. I have like multiple kind of like <laughs> streams of thought and projects I want to pursue. And it's kind of weird going back. Like, you know, that's just kind of like a dead idea to me now. And a lot of it, when the more time I spend in my archive, you know, like rearranging things and thinking about it differently, it's like, I can kind of see where I'm going to be in a couple of years because my head's ahead of, ahead of where I can edit mm -hmm. and like my pace of editing. Cause right now I'm just trying to like, tie up all my <laughs> loose ends, like all the things I kind of started and never really, you know, finished. It's like, I would not be able to live my, with myself if I didn't kind of like get this book and solidify this edit and just like, okay, done with that. So like my goal is to kind of like tie up as many things and just be like, okay, now I'm moving into the next phase. And like, it's always like more interesting, right? <laughs> you know, like the next phase and the next ideas, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting because I feel like I'm finally kind of like graduating after 10 years. Yeah. It's but like, that's, oh, just, but that's just life. That's, you know, there's right. like, you enter different phases of your life right. where yeah, in your twenties, yeah, what meant something to you and what you thought you were doing photographically mm -hmm. could be completely different. Yeah. I was thinking of doing one call. I don't know what was it called, like phase transition or phase 40 because I'm approaching 40 and I wanted to just try to pick out little glimpses from my 10 year archive of like, okay, what were these little strings of photos that I can find that kind of like led up to this fa phase transition, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it would just be, a, you know, a, a fresh approach to the archive. And I don't care if it's black and white, color in New York or wherever it was, just find those little like short series of photos that kind of like fit this feeling of the, fa the phase transition, you know? Yeah. And like, that's another thing I find kind of fascinating about the archive 
and like memory and going and digging into it, it's just like there's so it's such a rich territory that you can like keep cultivating. You know, it doesn't it doesn't exist as one form. Like those photos in that Genesee book, together they exist as that. But I can use all that stuff for different purposes. You know, but that's a really interesting uh, vision of an artist, and I think it's something that actually. I feel like people get stuck where they don't view their art and their their the world of art that they're creating as fluid as that. Where, like, think about the Family Acid, the book mm-hmm. that I brought. Like, mm-hmm. that's not even that guy's edit. Mm-hmm. That's his daughter's edit, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so the book he may have built out of that experience, if mm-hmm. he built it when he was doing it, would be entirely different from anything we've mm-hmm. seen. So yeah, thinking about going back and digging through, you know, 15 yeah. years of Polaroid, now the body of work that I build is entirely different than the right. body I built when I was 25. Right. And I think that's a really beautiful, amazing thing to allow that ebb and flow to go. And maybe that only works in photography where you produce so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, I don't really see, you don't see musicians like taking all the songs off. The, I mean, they make a best of album, <laughs> right. but they don't make a concept album out of all their other songs. Right. Or you don't even see painters doing that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But for photographers, you're like, I've got, you know, 10,000 images and this was something I was trying to say. I'm gonna try again now. Right, right. Well, I think that's a good, good, uh, good lead into our break. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about the family acid and another special book that you brought. That's great. We let the dogs out. Nice. necessarily about like the accumulation of money but like you know just you know doing what you want to do i guess that's the that's it but i kind of feel like i'm doing what i want to do on all things you know i embrace you know i like i like working you know like work is good and doing it you know but it's the i mean i'm a media guy what do you want from me i've always been that you know (laughs) i still give kanye west a lot of credit for what he does but it's the thing that he basically he's fooled the world into letting him do whatever he wants to do right same, it's the Peter Beard plan. Yeah. It's the Ryan McGinley plan. Right. Andy like, Warhol. I mean, Andy Warhol, yeah. like, they, you, and he's not, I don't think he's actually wasting it then mm-hmm. because he's like, fuck, I want to be a designer. I'm going to be yeah. a designer. Fuck you. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to do, like, I'm going to make an album that's like yeah. this. I'm going to make an album that's like this. He really is yeah. fully following his vision of what art is. Yeah, there was a, so there was a, one of these quotes in, maybe was it um, Time Magazine, they said, like, this is not the golden age of photo books, and they had two, oh, like, I saw that Dewey movie. Lewis yeah, and, and two old guys, and they're like, well, all this stuff is coming out, and nobody's <laughs> thinking about it, and what have you. And I like, don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and, like, almost everyone on this show, University, says, like, screw that. You're just, like, you can't deal with the new reality, and it's, like, the new reality is that... You have competition and you're not the only ones doing it. Oh no. And like, I'm all for like artists publish as many damn books as you want. Make your art. Like, why does it have to be this special thing that you put out one epic book after 40 years? But it's also the same thing with like, we were talking about people kind of like, you know, riffing on what other people are using Instagram for. Mm -hmm. Just fucking unfollow it. (laughs) If you don't like their photo book, don't buy or look at their photo book. Yeah, yeah. But it's still that mentality of like the canon mentality of like we have to have this this list of these are the best books. And, you know, Martin Parr and like through the history of the photo book, at least to his credit, like he digs in and like doesn't buy into just like, 
you know, the hype of what's published. And like, he goes out and looks and he tries to find stuff and like innovative photo books. But I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how anyone can say that more artists expressing themselves and having like the, the self-sufficiency to put out their art is like, somehow that's bad. But, yeah, but because yeah, yeah. it's like that same domineering kind of perspective. It's like, we should be able to control what all you like reckless artists are doing. You don't know. It's like, well, but actually the problem you? is that they actually, whoever's saying that yeah. has a, a very high value on the books that they value mm -hmm. when it's all trash. <laughs> right, <laughs> like yeah. their books are trash. Yeah. My books are trash. <laughs> all the, like it just doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I put out, you know, I've got 20 self-published books out there. Uh -huh. I think they're amazing. Uh -huh. Lots of people like them. I think they they express what I want to express. Mm -hmm. It's actually why I, this is something, why I switched over and started doing a lot more commercial work rather than pursuing art stuff. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Because now I just get to put out whatever I want to in terms of art. Yeah. And I don't have to worry whether a publisher likes it, a gallery likes it. I just get to make art right. and put it out there. Exactly. So who cares what they think? Exactly. So the book you brought, and I remember you showed this to me, I think one of the first times I visited yeah. your apartment, and it's Johnny Dark. What's the, is the name of the book Johnny Dark, or is that uh, who it is? What's the name of the book? People I May Know. People I May Know by Johnny Dark. Okay, so why did you bring this book? Um, I showed you the book a couple years ago, mm -hmm. that's right. Uh, it's still one of my favorite photo books. Uh and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to explain why, but I brought it actually in contrast to the family acid. Mm -hmm. um, Johnny Dark was just a dude who lived in East Village. He was really good friends with Sam Shepard, mm -hmm. and just took pictures and just photographed his life. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually published by Little Bear, which is Bruce Weber's publishing oh, company. Okay. Um, and I just think it's a really interesting, beautiful vision of someone's life. And it's not precious. There's little handwritten notes through it. Uh, some of the photos I think look like masterpieces, other ones just look like shitty snapshots. Mm -hmm. But it's a really interesting uh, representation of someone's reality, mm -hmm. which to me is really what art or photography is. And he writes all the captions too. That kind of reminds me of the book we had with uh, Megaly as well. I, mm -hmm. can't, I can't remember the call, but it was about this, um, what, what would he do? He was the old man and what was his map maker or something? We'll have to look it up. Well, it's even like, I mean, Where, where's our research? Where's our yeah. Apple? Where's our, but anyways, like but it's, it's like Ginsburg's, yeah. like mm -hmm. uh, Ginsburg's snapshot poetics was one of the first photo books that I really fell in love with, and that's actually one of the only pieces of art I actually I want to buy if I have money one day is a Ginsburg photograph where he's written on the bottom of it, hmm. because again, photography to me is nothing. Mm -hmm. Who cares? It's just like I can print. You can print out an image and give it to someone, but if it's got something more to it that mm -hmm. makes it. Yeah, I mean, it's the idea, it's the concept, it's experience, it's what have you. Oh, those are cool Sam Shepard photos. Hmm. Um, but I, mean, I like the cover of one of Sam Shepard's books yeah. is one of these photos. Yeah. I had, I can't, I haven't been able to figure out, I like the way they're doing it with the written text in these couple books is like, I think it's really cool, but I just haven't been able to figure, I don't know, I still have not been able to crack the code of like text and photos. It's and really hard. And I think the, the book me and Paul are working on, Willow Lake, I mean, it gets to it, but on that stuff is like, it was really like Paul kind of like coalesced all the writing and the narrative and it's like, but I guess that's the, the creative collaboration is. Yeah. I mean, I actually, in that. the early Passports Trespass books, I would put, there would be little like snippets of mm -hmm. sentences kind of highlighting the series and I've stopped doing that entirely mm -hmm. uh, because I've already said what I'm trying to say with the images and I'm not adding text to it, but also because it's a really hard thing. Your text can ruin a photo or 
Yeah. You know, it's like it's and text is visual too. Mm -hmm. like you do it to me. The text. This is still a picture. It's the text exactly. But I see it as a picture. Yeah. Because you're looking at it, it's a visual, and that's really kind of a hard thing I think to you know mix in because the way it looks and the way it, and that gets into design I guess is like it all. It's it's a photo. You know what I mean? It's well, it's kind of like uh, Goldberg's Raised by Wolves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That book had photographs of people's handwritten notebooks, and you have mm -hmm. Alex Soth's books where there's like photographs of letters and stuff like that mm -hmm. where. Yeah, the text becomes a photograph or becomes an image as well as being, I mean, we're all just talking about, everything's just communication. Anyway. Right. So right. it's just a different version of that communication. Right. Yeah, this is real. I wonder if uh, Paul, if Kwiatkowski ever saw this book. Because like you see, you go through it and it's like, damn, you know, it's, it feels like a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. You know? And I don't, you know, this guy actually right now lives in, I think Durango, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, his address is in the back. So I mailed him one of my first books and I was like, hey man, your book is incredible. Like, here's my first book. And he wrote me back. He was like, cool, thanks. Nice. You should visit him. Maybe next time We've actually, he works at a Piggly Wiggly. We almost yeah. dropped in on him last time I was out there. And I was like, <laughs> he I'm, works at a Piggly Wiggly? Yeah. Or something like that. Like, really? Yeah. I was He's like, I'm not what? Gonna, I, don't, I think he's just, he works there. Wow. This is just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was just a documentary that came out recently with uh, him and Sam Shepard. Uh, but just, I love that because it's, you know, one of the things that bugs the shit out of me is, Artists <laughs> who, who think that they're different or better. I had this. Yeah. I have this conversation with a friend of mine who's an artist who always talks about like, you know, needing their art to sell, and you know, they don't want to work a job. And I was like, well, nobody wants to work a job. Who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not better than anybody yeah. else. Like, figure it out or don't figure it out. Oh, like, 100 percent, 100 percent. There was I don't know what it was like. Somebody on Facebook. He was doing. Uh, I don't know, documentary in somewhere or whatever. And he like made these epic posts about like he's quitting photography and he's going back. Oh, and it's yeah. like, okay, oh, that's a, you're, how does that make you special? It's like, yeah. I've been working a day job forever and pursuing my art. Most photographers are. It's like, it's not this big, like life altering choice. It's like, I personally actually prefer to work. And I'm lucky enough where I work in a job that I'm passionate about and it like keeps you stimulating and like somewhat hooked into like creativity and all these sort of things. But like, I don't even know that I would necessarily want to be a photographer full time. I mean, it would drive me crazy. I can only really yeah. access, maybe I am crazy because I talk about yeah. photography all the time, but I can really only access that part of my brain for like little, little snippets and then little, little kind of areas. I couldn't like to actually sit there and have to like shoot every day or to do all that stuff. I'm like, I'm just not interested. Yeah. Which I mean, which is now what I do professionally is yeah. like I shoot for other people and it yeah. definitely has split my brain in two in that sense where I don't create as much as I used to create mm -hmm. of my own work because I'm, I'm basically trading some of my time so that I can afford to do the things I want to do. Exactly. Which exactly. Is reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought reality didn't exist. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's the material world we live in. Yeah. Um, and we're just material artists. I don't know. Material dudes. <laughs> no, but it's just, I mean, like, we have collectible photo books. We here, have collectible so. photo books. Yeah. But the world, I mean, the world is a system mm -hmm. and we exist in a system. Like, you can absolutely, you want to be an artist, you can go live somewhere. This is actually when it gets deeper into the conversation about art making money. Like, mm -hmm. you want to make art, go make art. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what you should do with your time because you don't have a lot of it. But if you start talking about your art being sold and collected, mm -hmm. now we're talking about capitalism. Exactly. And so if you're not selling something that people want, yeah, you're you either not, change you, it yeah. so it's something people want <laughs> yeah. or 
figure or, out something else. Or like, you might just not be that good. You know what I mean? What point, do you want me to yeah, say? Is yeah. like you want? Why do you feel entitled that you have to earn yeah. a living just because you have the desire? I mean, I know, I've never understood that. I don't know. You know, I, I guess in, in some grand like utopian vision, we all kind of pursue our own like flights of fancy, and we all are happy. But I guess you know. We're not there yet. Maybe reconciling this, the American dream. Yeah, maybe the singularity will bring it upon us. I don't know. It almost feels like we're getting too political. So maybe we should go back to uh, the fa- which is okay. I'm just saying. Um, the family acid book yeah. that we talked about um, that was with um, Amanda. Yeah, and we actually had Charlie Johnstone and Corey Prochet on who who are members of Sun, the publishers. Mm-hmm. So. This book has been floating around. I've had a lot of a lot love, of your opinions about it, so I'm glad you kind of brought it because I think it's like you can add another like perspective. And you said it was you 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 sold off many of your other photo books, but when this came out, like you had to buy it. Why yeah. did you have to buy it? Because um, there's nothing else like it. Mm-hmm. That's the like. I love the fact again that we were talking about this earlier. Like mm-hmm. the guy who shot these photos didn't edit this, didn't put this together into a body of work, obviously was interested in something It was creating, you know, these aren't just purely random photos. Like right. these are double exposures and there's there's something to it. Yeah. But I think it's an amazing self-portrait of a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looking through this book. And that's why I brought that in comparison to the Johnny Dark book mm-hmm. because it's two different versions of a self-portrait. Because I pretty much believe all photography is actually a self-portrait, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever type of photography you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just two different uh, forms of visual language that are interesting in contrast to each other because the Johnny Dark book is very stark and very mm-hmm. basic, almost documentary, almost family-style photos mm-hmm. that just sometimes look like masterpieces. Right. And these are more paintings. Right. I'm going to read. I love, so we did, we had a, uh, I feel, a successful moment the last time we talked about this book where I read, you look at one of the photos and then you go back and you read one of the captions. So I was looking at this photo, this double exposure, mm-hmm. and I want to go like look it up. And I guess now we're going to have to get a picture of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so whatever. Um, so this one's called Mary, Queen of the Cactus, April 1986. My wife Mary has often been a co-creator of my shots of her. Here near Palm Springs, shortly after sunset one evening, I, I doubled her with thorns and cactus flowers. Her love of nature contributes to her internet handle. What mirth and reflects her wonderfully contagious laughter. For 30 years, she helped supervise tree planting in our neighboring woods of Elysian Park in the Echo Park area of LA, replacing dead hundred year old trees with equally rare species. This is awesome. Man. Let's see the photo again. <laughs> I've never read a single one of those. Oh, you got to read them, man. Like, I read it, I just read them randomly like that. Yeah. But you go and, yeah, there's just. Dead. Sometimes they sometimes they uh, correspond really well to the photos. Sometimes they're completely just bizarre. Yeah, and like you have no idea what's you know what he's talking about, or it takes you to a different place. Well, the reality is, I've like, actually never read this book either. Oh, really? I've read parts of it, but parts it's it's it, not yeah. it's not even the thing to me that uh-huh. I'm interested in. You uh-huh. know, uh, although I do like the idea of doing a Burroughs esque. Construction there where you just don't read the entire thing straight through and you just read pieces yeah, to I continue to build like the collage of the image. Yeah. Or of the portrait. I should we should I should try to read maybe I should read one more. I don't know. I really like this guy's what's what's up so what's up with this guy? Forty five I know this, I'm sorry, listeners. You're kinda like, what the hell is he talking about? But I'm gonna read this excerpt anyways. Cause again, I'm a big fan of this book too and whatever, you're just gonna have to bear with us, so 
deal with it. Okay, 45. Dancing with Light, February 1974. Brian Coleman is an extraordinary artist whose medium is neon. After graduation from Pratt in the mid-1960s, he helped design Faberg's NYC headquarters, installing neon art below translucent flooring and create creating concave niches in walls where people could sit and talk. He's lived much of his life in the mountains um, above Santa Cruz, California, where he's fallen out of trees, flipped over a uh, W1 van and blown exotic glass pieces for insulation in Rowan's main train station, the Museum of Neon Art. And Rudy Stern's acclaimed Soho Gallery, Let There Be Neon. Brian and I have been working on an experimental series of images these days called Dancing with Light. This photo was taken at his home in Coralitos for a non-nude shoot for Playgirl magazine. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, like, it's there's funny, kind but, of the kicker, you know. But I'm also uh, so bored. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, that is no disrespect to the work. I think right. the work is amazing, but it's what I said about, uh, you know, I love when I like send someone mm-hmm. 10 images from a book for an article or something and they'd be like, cool, can you write a little piece about, right. about your, your series here? And I was like, well, I said what I wanted uh, to say. Uh, like I use photography to tell stories. Uh, there's my story. If right. I write it down for you, it becomes an entirely different thing. I should have just written it down to start. Yeah, and I like the way they handled it in this book where he puts it at the back and it's Absolutely. completely supplemental. Absolutely. And it's supplement. It's like its own, it's like two books into one, you know? Right, like if I was reading an article about this mm-hmm. book and they showed that photo and then gave this little snippet of what he said about it, I would find that interesting. Yeah. But in the book, I just want to see... Yeah, I have definitely not read every one of these, and this is the way I like to do it. It's just kind of like randomly find it and then go in and take a look at it because I think that's like I don't even really I don't pay, I never paid attention to the the captions and the Instagram because mm. that's one thing on Instagram. It's like listen, I'm not gonna read yeah. your captions on Instagram. I'm sorry, like I just can't do it. You know, um, it's funny and that like touching on the social media thing. People who get really down on Instagram and stuff like mm. the only thing humans try and do is communicate. This is what we've been doing for right. ever. Is trying to figure out ways to get out of my head into your head mm-hmm. in some ways that we somehow understand, whether it's physical or mm-hmm. verbal. So, whatever technology or ways we develop over the years to communicate, mm-hmm. I think are interesting and worth looking yeah. at. So even on Instagram, like the hashtags, the things like that, like it's just language. Yeah. So like when I hashtag something as Polaroid. Mm-hmm. I'm having a specific conversation with a specific person who's into that thing. Right. And I know other people are just like, oh, it's f- you're such a like, <laughs> loser. Yeah. You're using hashtags. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. It's just communication. Yeah, and it's what's interesting, I think, a lot of times on social media, too, is people, so you have the message, you know, the medium is the message or whatever, but like, I don't think they fully have grasped like the way you code and the way you le- use the language, like like discloses your intent in many ways yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like, so, it, and I'm saying this is something I talk in, like I do a lot of my conversion on the internet in private, these, you know, cause I just feel like more carnal. And it's like, man, like when you go up on those rants on Facebook again, it's like, you don't, you know what you're saying, you're saying one thing, but just by virtue of doing it on Facebook, you're communicating a completely different, different other idea or a different other aspect. And like the more you do that, the more your subconscious kind of seeps into all of this stuff. And like you get, a, you get this like pe- people falling, get a different perspective because you can't control that stuff. Yeah, isn't there especially some famous quote you, like the medium is the message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martha Marshall McLuhan. But like, especially, the, but I just feel like that confessional type of stuff where people just feel like they're putting all of that out there. And it's like, 
the stuff from deep in your psyche seeps into that. Even yeah. if you just think you're talking about your lunch or like where you're going or whatever, that all your ego comes into it. Like all this other like garbage eventually seeps into it. So I'm like this confessional kind of like use of the internet to it. It's like, I don't know, man. I think you're playing with fire doing well, that. Well, I also now. think that people, and this relates to photography to internet usage, to all these things, is that people think that things stop. They mm -hmm. think that like photography is the end. Like mm -hmm. I took a picture, that's the end of the thing. Like mm -hmm. they understand that all of this is fluid and it moves back and forth. So everything leads to the next thing mm -hmm. and kind of allows it to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that so, we're not really talking about photography that yeah. much. Well, well, I mean, like you said. High concepts. Yeah. High concepts. Well, because that's the only thing that's interesting to me is yeah. like, the higher concept of what you're trying to do, what you're trying yeah. to say with your work. Well, I would say we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, we haven't we haven't had a, a entire episode dedicated to gear. No, maybe we need one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I would. Yeah, we don't want to do that either. Um, so you're so you're gonna be in uh, California in a couple of months. Yeah, and we're you know we're gonna definitely come out and visit you when we're out. Please, there. but yeah. I have one final question for you. Yeah, and this is me. Hopefully, you can answer this. Yeah. Are you just a dude? What do you mean? Are you just a dude? Like this this guy was just a dude who made the photo book, and this guy was just a dude. Oh, you mean it, is there an intention in what I'm <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah, are you just a dude, you know? Or is that what you're trying to be, you know? Or are you? I mean, I think that would be the greatest compliment to someone for like... Dude, right. girl, whatever you want to use, yeah. like for <laughs> makes me think of that No Doubt song. Right. I'm just a girl, just a girl. right? Yeah. <laughs> if you can cut that in right now, yeah. that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, that's fair usage, right? Uh, am I just a dude doing these things? You know, I feel like I'm pretty self-aware mm -hmm. of what I'm doing most of the time and how I'm presenting it and how I'm constructing it. Uh, I don't think that that removes my ability to be just a dude doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, for years now, I've talked about the gallery shows that I put on or the books that I put out that I want my mechanic to be able to come to the show uh -huh. and get something out of it. Right. And I don't want them to feel not smart enough. Uh -huh. Like, And I have a lot of problem with a lot of the art that I see where you walk in and I'm like, oh, that's cool. There's three light switches on the wall and there's four pages that I have to read to understand <laughs> what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like I want, yeah. I, there need, again, it's communication. Mm -hmm. um, so I would hope that most of the pretentiousness of this world that we keep skirting around is removed and it comes down to just, yeah, I'm just a dude driving around taking pictures. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's the most American fucking thing. I love <laughs> the cars, I love the road and I'm doing what I want. Like, you know, these, I don't really like, these don't support me. I don't get anything out of making these books. It's just my favorite thing to do is to drive around and take pictures and to explore. Brilliant. So I hope I am. Yeah, well, we and we hope you keep doing it. And like I said, we hope we get to come out and visit you. Yeah, that would be amazing. It'll be a, probably the similar perspective, but <laughs> maybe a little more mellow. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, it's Mikhail. I mean, it's always a pleasure. It's been it's been great. You know, we see each other infrequently, but our conversations are always just very enlightening. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great guys. to get you on your way out. Yeah, I like <laughs> this as a little summation of what's yeah. been going on. Great. All right, thanks, Mikhail. Thank you. Sharp white teeth, no at the corners of my sleep. They chase the dreams, they get the best of me. They are equal parts desire and equal parts defeat. 
Just trial by fire, and now you should. 